and just being awful. I mean, just awful. And it occurred to me, I'm thinking, what possesses somebody? This was Claire and I were both talking about this. What possesses somebody to act like that, right? What possesses somebody to just lose control, um, to, just, to just act so ugly, so mean, so nasty toward other people? Um, and so that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, our text comes from Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 25. If you have your scriptures, you can flip over there. Again, we're in our series, Vision 2020, and uh, we'll be wrapping this up next week. Kenny's going to be preaching for me. I'm excited about that on November the 3rd. Um, that's going to be really exciting. Um, he's not nervous at all. He's a cool customer. I don't know if y'all have noticed that about him or not. But anyhow, we're excited for him to preach on November the 3rd, and then we're going to jump into a small book of the Bible through the month of November and then Christmas themed stuff in Christmas time. So let's stand to read together, though, from Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 25. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome. Here we go, beginning at verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. You may be seated. I know that was a mouthful and a little bit of a tongue twister. So let's jump in here and see what it is that Paul's talking about here, what the Word of God has for us today. So let's begin at verse 18. It says, so, I, it is, so now it is no longer I who do it, he says, but sin that dwells in me. Paul is saying that the cause of sinful actions, the cause of that guy driving down the road acting the way he was, is because of a twisted, sinful bent that is inside, innately inside of each and every one of us. It is a natural desire to do things that the Bible would not permit. It is an instinct. Nobody had to teach the Apostle Paul to cheat. Nobody had to teach the Apostle Paul or coach him in how to steal. Nobody had to tell him how to cover things up or tell him that for, to develop instincts to, uh, to conceal. Um, it is human nature to do these things. And so Paul is merely acknowledging that this bent towards sin exists in the heart of each and every person on the planet. Verse 19, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want, the thing that I wish I didn't do, is what I keep on doing, he says. Remember, this is the Apostle Paul, and so Paul here is saying, hey, look, I've got this struggle too. This is not something that's just for uh, lesser than Christians. This is something even that apostles deal with, right? People who've been in with the Lord and walk with the Lord a long time, and so he says, this is something that I've done as well even although all the scripture knowledge that he's acquired, even all the time that he's put in prayer, even with his remarkable self-discipline, even the fact that he's planted churches, the Apostle Paul says, this is something that all of us deal with. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So how do we explain this? Well, he goes on to say, hey, here's, what, here's why this happens. Begin end of verse 20, he says, it's because of sin that dwells within me. And then he says in verse 23, the end of verse 23, he says, the law of sin that dwells within my members. So Paul says, I've got this sinful nature inside of me. I was born with it. You were born with it. We all have it. We come out of the womb with it. 
Um, but at try as we may, you know, we can try to overcome it, but try as we may, we keep messing up. You say, Gordon, that's a pretty good observation that Paul makes there. I think he's right, but was this his idea? Did the Apostle Paul get this from his own observations? Is this something new in the Scriptures? Is this something new um, that, that God has revealed to Paul that Paul nobody had known about before? Well, I'm glad you asked. Flip over in your Bibles to the beginning. You see that God himself acknowledges this reality about mankind. He says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, "...the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth." and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21, again, God's observation about humankind just after the flood, God says, the Lord said to in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart, is the inner drives, are evil from his youth. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. We are sick because of this sinful nature inside of us. Mark chapter 7 and verse 21, Jesus said, From within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. Verse 22, coveting, wickedness, deceit. Jesus says all this stuff originates on the inside of us and then becomes a reality in our lives when we act out on those things. He says in verse 23, all these evil things come from within. They end up defiling a person. And then finally, Romans chapter 7 and verse 23, But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, how I want to act, but then how I end up acting and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So let's sum all this up. Paul's teaching us that we have a sinful nature. Paul is teaching us that the reason why that guy was riding down the road and lost control and acting the way he was is because he was acting on his base instinct. He was tapping into something that is innately on the inside of him that all of us have, and the scriptures call this our sinful nature nature. And ever since humanity has been here on the planet, as long as we've been here, and Adam and Eve sinned in the garden with that first sin, this has become a part of, of, of humankind. Okay, well that's our treatment of this text today in Romans chapter 7, which means it's time for us to um, ask our most important question. It's to ask the question we ask every week around here. What difference does all this make to my life? You say, Gordon, um, I, I got to tell you something. You really depressed me. You did. I mean, is that what you brought us here today for? Did you bring us here today to just to tell us how rotten we are and that we have this sinful nature and that there's no hope for us? Is that what you brought here for the, here, us here for this morning? What difference does all this make to my life? Well, that's not why I brought you here to discourage you. Romans chapter 8 can look like really bad news, but if we keep on reading, we get to Romans chapter 8. And Paul says there is hope. There's a way to turn this thing around. So many of us read Romans chapter 7, we hear about how Paul's doing the things that even Paul was doing the things that he wished he hadn't done, but then we stop there. We don't realize that the Bible says, hey, look, there's hope. There's actually a way to overcome this, and that comes to us in Romans chapter 8. But first, let's take a look at a couple verses there at the end of Romans chapter 7. He says, verse, chapter 7 and verse 24, Paul writes, wretched man that I am, okay, yeah, we got that, who will deliver me, who will rescue me? from this body of death, from this sinful nature that I've got living on the inside of me. And he says, verse 25 in celebration, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul recognizes here that even when we sin, we have the forgiveness of that sin because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Friend, if you're here today and you've never made a, uh, entered into a real and personal relationship with Jesus Christ, um, I just want to encourage you that 
um, that if you, if you turn to him for the forgiveness of your sins, that he will enter into your heart, that he will cleanse you of all of your sins, that he will forgive you of all of your past. And Paul's celebrating that here. Paul is saying, thanks be to God that we have Jesus. Thanks be to God that we have a Savior who died on the cross for our sins, and we can have all of our sins washed away. So that's good news number one. But look at what else he says, Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Let me give you just a little theology lesson here. What Paul is acknowledging is that the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, no, less, no lesser God than the Father, no lesser God than the Son, that the third person of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And Paul reminds us here that when we make that decision to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we plead the blood of Jesus over the sins of our heart, that what happens is the Holy Spirit moves in. The Holy Spirit takes up residence inside you and me. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? A temple is a place where God lives. And so he's saying, do you not know that God lives inside of you through his Holy Spirit? And so what Paul is saying here is that because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, the power of that sinful nature, which is at war inside of you, has been diminished, has lost some of its sway over your actions. So get this, Paul acknowledges in Romans chapter 7, yeah, you know, the things that I don't want to do, I, I find myself doing. But that was back when my sinful nature was in charge of me. That's back at a time when uh, the Holy Spirit of God perhaps was living inside of me, but I wasn't listening to his voice, just like we were singing a few moments ago about how the Holy Spirit is inside of us and changes us. But there's a new sheriff in town, he says in Romans chapter 8, and that's the Holy Spirit. He has set me free. Do you hear those words? He has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That is, your sinful nature no longer has to reign in you. You know, I hear this a lot from Christians. Christians saying, you know what? Sin is just inevitable. I'm going to do it, so might as well. Right? I hear Christians say a lot that I just have to accept that sin is a part of my life, and so they just resign themselves to just go ahead and sin. And there are certain things that they just won't ever be able to overcome, so they just stop trying, or at least they try to keep that at a minimum, just contain it, right? Well, those Christians have got partly the situation right. You say, Paul, uh, Paul, Paul did say that we on our own can't beat this. He said back in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, the last part of verse 18, he said, for I have the desire to do what is right, but I don't have the capability to carry it out. In other words, I don't possess inside of me of my own grit the ability to overcome this stuff. I can't do it. Um, I've tried, I failed. I've tried again, I failed. I've tried and tried and tried again, and the result's always the same. However, he, if you keep on reading, right? When we get to Romans chapter 8, Paul says, hey, look, um, so we have someone living on the inside of each of us who is more powerful than our temptations, who is smarter than the cunningness of our enemy, someone who can grant us victory over that stuff. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you are trapped in your sin. Don't let anyone ever tell you that. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you have no hope for change. Don't let anyone ever tell you that. Don't let anyone ever tell you that that, that because it's a lie. You know, our culture has bought into this lie. Our culture has bought into this idea that, well, sin's just inevitable. I mean, we look at our own sinful nature. Our, our culture doesn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Many Christians aren't tapping into and making use of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so all we're left with is, you know, I just give it my best. I try my best. I might end up in sin, but I've tried. 
And so our culture had said things to the drug user, for example, that, hey, you know what? It's just a problem that you've got. It's a problem you're never going to get rid of. And so what we want to do here is take the defeatist route and just try to manage the problem. And so we pass out needles. Well, as long as you're using clean needles, maybe that's a way to manage the problem. But that's not helping the drug user change and delivering them from the problem that they've got going on in their life. Instead of teaching abstinence in schools, we just accept that young people are going to have premarital sex, and so we push birth control pills. I have a good friend who works at the health clinic at the University of Georgia. He said you would not believe the volume of young ladies, students at, at the University of Georgia, who come in and out of that clinic getting their birth control pills week in and week out. The volume of students. Students who are coming from good families. Students who've been sitting in churches on Sunday morning who know God's word and know what's right, and yet they've resigned themselves to uh, that kind of behavior. Friends, that is a deliberate, premeditated decision on the part of the school administration at the University of Georgia and schools all like that across the country and the part of those young ladies to participate in things that they know, they know God's word says is wrong. In contrast, the Bible says, Romans chapter 8, that you don't have to keep on sinning. We are greater than our base instinct. We can have freedom, Paul says. Christ has set me free, he says. I don't just have to follow what, the whole, what my sinful nature is telling me to do. Romans chapter 8, verse 2, he said, The Spirit living inside of me has set you free in Christ Jesus, that is, from the chains of your sinful nature, from the law of sin and death that used to reign in your mortal body. Friends, we are talking about Paul is talking about here, becoming a new creation in Christ, a truly new being. We're talking about no longer being enslaved to sinful lusts, no longer being enslaved to, our, to sinful passions, no longer being enslaved to sinful desires. We are talking about real freedom. You can let a man out of jail and say that he's free, but until he's free of those instincts that put him in prison in the first place, he's never really free. True freedom, true freedom is getting free of our sinful nature, not allowing that to be what controls our actions. You say, well, Gordon, this all sounds great, but how do I do it? How do I get there? How do I get to a place where I'm no longer listening to the sinful nature and I'm more listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say? Maybe the Holy Spirit completely takes over and I become this new creation that Paul's talking about here. How do I do that? Um, I mean, I've had the Holy Spirit living inside of me my whole life, you say, and I feel like the sinful nature is just as there and just as present as it ever was um, throughout my Christian life at the beginning of it. Romans chapter 8, end of verse 4, Paul tells us how we get free of it. He says, walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, verse 8, or verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And then finally, verse 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Friend, if you want victory over sin in your life, listening to Luke Bryan sing about knocking boots is not going to get you where it is that you want to go. That was meant as a joke. Not going to get you to where you're wanting to go. Um, that's not setting your mind, right? on the things of the Spirit. And I'm not here today to talk bad about country music. I like listening to country music. Perhaps I don't know what it is that you listen to. But there comes a point when we have to recognize, we have to be smart enough to say enough of that stuff is enough. 
right? It's taken over my mind. It's leading me in places, or the people that I'm hanging out with are leading me in places that my mind doesn't need to go. Um, and so we have to occupy our mind with the things of the Spirit. Because those voices, friends, of, uh, of whoever it may be, will resurrect inside of us our old self, our old sinful nature. You say, how do we make sure that when we have our minds set on the Holy Spirit of God? Well, I've shared with you over the past several weeks, multiple times, many of the ways that we can put our mind on the things of the Spirit. One of those is through having a daily quiet time, uh, spending time with God, reading the Scriptures, saturating our mind with God's truth, right? This is what this is. This is God's truth in written form. Amen? What this is. So saturating our mind with God's truth, spending time in quiet, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into our heart, to speak into our life, to push out some of those uh, alternative thoughts that we have that are not leading us toward holiness, but spending that time daily in quiet with the Lord. Another of the things that we talked about was building relationships with other Christian believers getting plugged in, being a part of a church family as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And then we talked about also having our, our daily, totally surrendering our lives over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ by participating in things like the Emmaus Walk weekend coming up next March, uh, participating in short-term missions trips, going and putting ourselves in places where we know the Holy Spirit of God will take us out of our comfort zone and will help us to surrender our life completely and fully to the Lordship of Christ. Some of us have done that, but we've, helped, we've, we've taken back control. And we need a little refresher course every once in a while. So we go and participate in special times like that. It's opportunities for us to, re, to, to remind ourselves of being totally surrendered to the Lord. When we practice those things in our lives, it has the opposite effect of listening to knock and boots. It encourages the opposite behavior. Friends, the more that we plug into God's voice and God's mind, and the more that we saturate our mind with the things of God, and with the people of God, surrounding ourselves with the people of God, the greater our victory will be over our sinful nature, and the more distant and dim those destructive voices will become. Verse 6, Paul said, for, I, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit, that will bring life and peace. Let me close out today by saying that there are people sitting amongst us for whom the Christian life is just not working. You've tried, and you've tried, and you've done all the things that you think you should do, but the Holy Spirit of God has not taken hold of your heart, has not taken hold of your life, is not in control of you, is not speaking clearly into your life. And friends, until that happens, until that happens, we're just out there left on our own, just kind of, you know, when the temptation rises, just, you ever have one of those? They just cut me off in traffic. All right. And we want to react, we want to respond out of our sinful nature, but to put that to rest, such that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, the fruits of the Spirit, bubble up on the inside of us and become what defines us. Friends, until that happens, we're just left to gut it out on our own. And so some of us here today would say, like Paul, despite my best efforts, Romans 7 and verse 18, the evil that I do not want what I keep on doing. We have not discovered this level of walking with the Spirit of God, with knowing the Spirit of God, with allowing Him to speak into our life. And so let me say to you that you need to keep reading beyond Romans chapter 7. Dig into Romans chapter 8. Discover what this life is of walking with the Spirit of God, of living with the Spirit of God, walking intimately 
and closely with him. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us today from your word. We all have stuff that we struggle with. Lord, some of us, it's become a controlling issue in our life. For all of us, we would love to see it gone. Lord, we ask that you would help us to give you the space, whether it's more church attendance, whether it's participating in a small group, whether it's just spending time with your word on a daily basis, whatever, Lord, it is that you're calling us to in the coming year. Or may we step up to the plate and we step up our game and give you the space that you need to change us. Lord, you want to do that. You're willing to do that. There's just some discipline issues on our end that need to happen. So even in this quiet space this morning, as we celebrate your broken body and your shed blood, Lord, if there's some area of our life where we can increase our obedience, where we can position ourselves to hear your voice more clearly, bring that to our attention. Let us know. Lord, may we walk in obedience to you and the freedom that we have through your Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.